tuning in to The Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're going to be talking about growing imaginative kids. But first, let's talk about children and organized activities. Why? Because too many activities limit how much time kids have to be creative. They can't grow their imagination. So how many activities are too much and which ones are right for your children? What's really important for them and for us? So as parents, we genuinely want our children to have the best of everything. The problem arises when what we think is the best for our children is different from what their maker God designed. Sometimes we just do too much. Now, my two oldest children loved books and movies, drama, giving speeches and music. But looking back, I see there were so many years wasted on making them participate in activities that all the other kids were doing. Now, my third oldest loved to make up creative stories. And then he and his friends would act out these adventures with their beanie babies. Yes, the beanie babies. Remember those? But how sad it makes me feel now to think of all the countless hours that my son spent mindlessly maneuvering around at the basketball court following the coach's orders, yet he hated it. I mean, he hated it. I forced him to sign up for socialization and exercise, or at least that's what I told myself. But I realize now that he could have been running around in the front yard with his friends, leading them on all these fanciful adventures. And by the way, as an adult, he writes books, creates games, and tests computer programs for his job. So looking back, I could see the things that I had done with good intentions were actually not how God designed my kids. So in designing our children, God did not create empty vessels. It is not our job to fill them, to form their personalities, and to insert creativity or skill into their brains. Instead, God designed our children and turned them over to us to mold into the shape that he's already crafted. We need to become students of our children and discover their unique shapes. We also need to give them time to be children and not fill up every spare moment with planned activities, which I'll be talking about with my guest today in just a little bit. It's important to give kids time to create, to explore, and to really use their imaginations. So here are some questions that can help you out. First of all, number one, why am I signing my children up for this activity? Are you doing it because the other moms are doing it? Because that's what kids should do. My oldest son, I signed him up for t-ball when he was little because my brother played baseball all through elementary and high school. But is that really what I need to be doing? Here's another question. Am I doing it so my child won't feel left out? Maybe they're the only ones in their church group in the neighborhood that doesn't play soccer. Or 
here's another question. Have I asked God his thoughts? When we pray, we can ask God to speak to our heart about our children. Then, next question, does this activity fit in with my child's natural talents? And finally, does this activity accomplish peace in our household? Now, when I first started homeschooling my three kids, they were ages 6, 3, and 1 in 1995, I thought my life from that moment would always be about homeschooling. I pictured my time shaping my kids' education, but I didn't know over the years that God would also call me to follow my dreams and that my kids would benefit from that. Yes, God wants us to explore and create, to to discover our unique designs. And some of the same questions that I just listed can be used for us. Have I asked God his thoughts on what I was designed to do? Does it fit with my natural talents? Will it accomplish peace in my household? So first, I felt guilty for following my dreams to write. I homeschooled in the morning and then in the afternoon, I set aside a few hours to write while my children played. In those early years, I wrote articles and ideas for novels as Barney played on the background on the television. And that is really aging myself. Guilt weighed me down as if Barney the dinosaur sat on my shoulders. And I was sure I was the worst homeschooling mom ever. Then I swung the other way and I became overcommitted to kids' activities to combat my guilt. So I made frequent trips to the library. I signed my daughter up for dance lessons, signed my boys up for sports. But it was my husband who really urged me to stop the madness. Over the months, we figured out our priorities as a family. So these are the things that we said, this is what we want to be known for as a goyer. First, to provide a godly education for our kids and for us that meant homeschooling. To sign up each child for only one extracurricular activity each year. To have dinner time as a family, because if we're doing too much, we won't have that dinner time. To train our children how to be part of the family unit and to do chores. To connect and to serve in our local church. To have reading time together as a family at night and to see what God was doing in our lives, and to follow Him. These are still our priorities 20 years and 7 more kids later. Yes, we made this list 20 years ago, and these are the things we still use to gauge everything that we want to add to our lives. As I helped my kids discover their dreams, I also discovered mine. And as the years passed, I started getting books published. With each new writing project, I argued, Lord, what about this homeschooling thing? Yes, I was still spending three to four hours a day homeschooling, but I looked around and I saw so many friends pouring 100% of their time into their kids. So I wondered, are my kids getting the short end of the stick? Over the time, I began to see how following my dreams actually benefited my children. They traveled with me for research. They met World War II veterans that I interviewed. They met other cool people. They made friends all around the U.S. As a mom, I didn't need to teach my kids that we should follow God's dreams for us and work hard to share his truth with others. They saw that lived out on a daily basis, and they still do. Yes, I still have kids at home. My youngest is 11. I'm going to be doing this for a while longer. God asked me to follow my dreams for the readers I served and also for my kids. 
But as the days passed into months and months into years, I started to notice a few things. My kids were outside playing with other kids when they were stuck at their desk all day. My kids truly loved learning and viewed the world as their classroom. They loved the Lord and were excited to serve Him. The kids weren't socially awkward like I worried about. They loved talking to people of all ages, including adults, and can strike up a conversation with almost anyone. And I felt like I really knew my kids. I was confident that I could give them the individual attention they needed to be successful. Homeschooling made it possible for me to reach them despite their different levels, abilities, and challenges. And that's how I learned what their dreams were and helped them to follow those. Not only that, I found I did have time for myself to write and publish books, to serve moms in my community, and yes, to even host this podcast that you're listening to now. So yes, we need to give our kids time and space to create, and we also need to do the same. And as you will see from today's guest, our kids will learn to do as we do. And that's why I'm talking to today's guests who are just amazing, Nathan and Joy Clarkson. Nathan Clarkson is an author, actor, an indie film producer, a poet, and an artist. His travels have taken him around the world where he shares his life with others to tell a bigger story of God's love. And his sister, Joy Clarkson, is a scholar, an author, a podcaster, and a storyteller. She holds degrees from Biola University in California and the University of St. Andrews in Scotland, which is just too cool, I think. So you're going to love to hear about their new book and how we can help kids explore their gifts and expand their imaginations. Welcome. I'm so glad to have both of you here. Well, thank you it's for so having us. It's so fun to be on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, now everyone should know that your parents are um, <laughs> the amazing Clay and Sally Clarkson. And I know um, that you two just grew up with a lot of creativity and imagination in your childhood years. So tell us a little bit about that. And whoever wants to talk first, you can just go ahead and jump in. <laughs> well, I will jump in because I'm the oldest. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but we, we were lucky enough uh, and blessed enough to be born into a family that valued creativity and joy and exploration of the mind and heart. And um, as probably many people who are listening know, um, about my mom and my dad's philosophy of education and uh, parenthood uh, because it's something that is was so wonderful for us, but very often is so um, uh, it's in the minority of how people see education, raising kids. And it was uh, my, my parents started by writing a book called Educating the Wholehearted Child, where they really talked about all these concepts around creativity and imagination and how those are really vital parts of children's lives and children's learning and educational journey. And so um, the imagination and creativity were very central in our understanding of education. There weren't these separate things. It wasn't here you learn this list of things and you learn all these facts and you write them down and then you can go, you know, in your free time and imagine. Imagination and creativity were vital parts of our imagination. And and the way that looked practically for us was we we were invested and engaged and connected to a host of stories growing up. Um, a huge part of our, our daily life was reading, listening, even watching um, great and wonderful stories. And in 
in engaging with those stories, um, my mom and my dad really believe that we would learn to start envisioning our lives as stories. And so Joy and I kind of wrote this book as an ode to our childhood, a childhood filled with stories and imagination and creativity. And it was kind of an ode to that because all those aspects have really shaped us into the people we are and played um, long term into our lives and what we do. You know, Joy is studying um, so many different uh, academic things and theology and imagination. And I'm an actor and filmmaker. And the imagination created creativity aspects that our parents taught us have played really strongly into our lives, but not just in our professions, but in our personal lives, how we see the world, how we see other people. And so this book really is kind of an ode to that um, imagination creativity we were given as kids. Yeah, and I love it so much. And the I love the story concept, which is this tr- this clubhouse, and every day it's this new um, place for kids to explore, whether it's a hospital or whether it's a, a, a hideout for a spy. And I know, I mean, we have 10 kids, <laughs> so I know oh that you know. it's so important for kids to explore and try new things. My kids are digging making a fort in this huge ditch in the backyard and they come awesome. in filthy dirty and awesome. I like head to the shower, <laughs> but they spend hours doing that. And so mm. joy, I would just love for you to share. Maybe people say, you know, I think of like homeschooling as people are just sitting down and they have the pile of workbooks and they're filling out things. And um, just explain a little bit, maybe of the, the creativity and the imagination um, like Nathan was talking about in your home growing up. Mm, yeah. I love talking about this because I really did have such an amazing experience uh, in my child of, of education. And my parents had this approach that was very out of the box, uh, but that obviously inspired a love of education in me because I have gone on to continue to seek it um, <laughs> insatiably. And I'm just, I just submitted my PhD. So, um, you know, Yay! obviously it, it had some effect on me, but um, it's funny when I think back on it, I remember I'm, I have a little bit of a type A in some ways, personality, and that I wanted to like quantify and calculate what I was doing and if it was enough. And, you know, and I was, I would look at all my friends who were doing worksheets and kind of had the more structured uh, lives. And of course, my parents, what I would learn is they really did have intentional Mm -hmm. things they wanted us to learn. They had, there was intention behind everything. But I remember thinking, mom, how do you know that I'm learning? How do you know if you don't have all these like lists you can check off? But I think what my parents really did was they created an intentional kind of laboratory of education mm-hmm. and wonder. You know, when you're trying to, I'm not a scientist, the PhD is not in science, but I know <laughs> that when you're, when you're trying to um, experiment with something in a lab, you create the right environment for a bacteria to grow. And that's kind of what my parents did with education. It, it was less about sitting down and taking off, you know, have we did math day, have we did this? It was more creating an environment where, we had access to lots of beautiful books where our curiosity was peaked. And then when it was peaked, we were given tools to learn things. And, um, and that really made the point of learning, learning, not just kind of taking off these tasks. And I think that something people forget sometimes is that the goal is to become educated, well-rounded, holistically, mm-hmm. a, a person who's ready to encounter the world. And a lot of the ways we think about school aren't necessarily because they're like the only way to do school. It's just because um, when you are trying to do the holistic, well-rounded thing with, you know, 30 kids in the same grade, you're going to do it differently than if you have 
four kids at all different ages. And so my parents kind of put aside the question of what is a conventional. So a lot of times, I guess what I'm saying is I think a lot of times homeschooling, people just try to copy a conventional school into right, homeschool. Exactly, yeah. And instead my parents went, okay, well, we're not a conventional school. We have our four kids. They have different personalities. They have different giftings. And we have the the privilege and the joy of being able to help shape them individually. And so, yeah, they created an environment where we could thrive, where we could pursue our interests. And while to me as a kid, it seemed less structured, really, it was very intentional. And a big part of that was openness to, to read many stories, to uh, be creative and to kind of follow our noses when it came to what we were curious about and what we wanted to learn about. And I think we sometimes underestimate kids. We think they're not going to be interested in this or not, they're mm-hmm. not going to want to explore. And so we, I think we, you know, you, I love Nathan, how you said, like we watched, um, you know, fascinating stories in movies and we read books or we had books read to us. I love reading out loud to our kids. And I think sometimes we think, okay, this is first grade level, <laughs> this is second grade level, <laughs> instead of let's watch this movie or let's read this book that, of course, they would not be able to read out loud themselves because mm-hmm. the, it would be too hard to read. But if we read out loud, um, I think our kids can learn so much more than we ever expect. And I just recently, um, I've been helping my kids write stories. And so all three of my youngest kids, we've adopted seven. So we have three biological and then we've adopted seven. And the three youngest ones are dyslexic. And so I want I'm working to yeah, I know Me we're gonna too. get to I'm raising my hand. Yes. And you know, before like we're trying to get them to, you know, write down cat and like, you know, <laughs> June and I mean just these simple words, which is because it's letters are backwards, but um, I've discovered they can tell me a story. And so mm. I'm their scribe. I'm sitting here typing. And so I wanted to read this because, first of all, it has Scotland in it. I'm going to read just a couple lines of the story that mm. my 11-year-old told me today as we were working on his story. So this is what he came up with. It says, the colossal castle in Scotland covered in vines flooded as the rain poured in. The wind sounded like blood the, like the bloodthirsty howls wow. of wolves and so wow. I'm like, you know he can just come up with these things like just telling me a story but you know we mm. read aloud a lot and I was thinking like last year we were trying to get him to write a complete sentence but mm. when I scribe for him when I write it down like there's so much more in his imagination that he would not physically be able to mm. actually pin mm. and so I love just you know First, the creativity in this book, but also both of you, just your desire for, you know, education and um, creativity in kids really just can open our eyes to they can do so much more um, than we ever expected. And this is, you know, just an example in my life. So I just want to say I'm so excited that you guys are out there sharing this method or message. And Nathan, (laughs) um, talk a little bit about learning disabilities, because like I said, my youngest three kids, they're not even biologically, all of them are not even biologically related and they all have dyslexia. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? But tell us about how um, that impacted you and then how you learned, I guess, to um, see it not as a hindrance, but to, to know that you can do so many amazing things. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is a subject I'm really passionate about. And I actually wrote about this with my mom in a book called Different. It was our story of yeah. from a mother's perspective and a son's perspective of what it's like to grow up and raise someone who has learning disabilities and mental illness. And, you know, it was really difficult as a kid because you, you have this idea of normal in your head, right? You have this idea of what you should be and you yeah. learn it really quick. You learn it, you learn it more quickly than I think a lot of people understand as a kid. And so very, very quickly um, with the kids around me, even with my siblings, I said, oh, wait, I'm not normal. I, I don't know how to read like them. I'm not picking this up as quickly. I When I look at numbers, it's not making sense in my head like it should. And that can lead a kid to feel either bad or separated or dumb or too much or whatever it might be. And I think that's a really difficult place for a kid to be. Um, but I was lucky enough to have uh, parents who recognized both my the the difficulties I was struggling with, but they also recognized my strengths and they mm -hmm. were different strengths. They didn't just in the same way that my my difficulties were different than a lot of people's and a lot of kids. My strengths were different than a lot of people's and a lot of kids. And so they recognized that I was both strengthed and um, and weak in different unique areas. And because of their insight, they tailored my education to me. And so this is, you know, the, the book that we wrote together, the clubhouse, Joy and I, it really is, um, you know, it looks like this, a, a simple children's book, but it really is something that played a big part in my young life as someone who went through the journey of having learning disabilities. And uh, I say that because imagination, I keep on bringing back to this imagination concept, was a huge part of what my mom used to educate and foster in me. She knew that I wasn't going to be ever be good at spelling. She knew that I wasn't ever going to be good, uh, be the mathematician, but she knew that I had in me this imagination for stories, for vision, for narrative. And so that was something that she said, okay, he's really good at this. How can we foster this? And I think this goes for all kids. I always say this, you know, when I wrote the book Different, um, I think that we have this idea that there are some normal kids and then there every now and again you have a different kid, right? One who has dyslexia, one who has ADHD, one who has OCD, whatever it might be. But in reality, what I have found in both in my family and all the people and the letters I've received is that every kid is unique and different in right. their own way. And mm. so I think the one thing that you can give to every single kid, this unifying factor that I ultimately think is a God-given factor, is this idea of imagination. And this idea of imagination, simply, you know, simply uh, defined, is really teaching them to think outside the bounds of what they currently know, teaching them to envision the world, teaching them to problem solve in a new way, giving using that God-given imagination in mind. But they can use that in very particular and unique ways. And so imagination was my key to realizing, no, I am smart. No, I do have strengths, but I can utilize this imagination for, for uh, to play into my own strengths, my own mm -hmm. uh, giftings. And so, yeah, it was really difficult to deal with those. And I imagine um, you're seeing that in your kids right now who are struggling with dyslexia, but I imagine you also see how intelligent each one is and how smart and how unique each one is in their own unique ways. And it sounds like, you know, maybe one of your kids you're talking, whoever wrote that one, they sound like they must be um, the child of a uh, of a famed fiction writer, uh, which they are. <laughs> and two, um, it, it sounds like you recognize, oh, they might struggle writing this out, but when they narrate to me, right. they can mm. see these images and actually there's a strength there. Um, and so, yeah, it was difficult being raised with um, or, or having um, learning disabilities, but thank goodness that my parents had the insight um, to see that, uh, 
I, I had my own unique strength and that different necess- wasn't necessarily bad and that it, it actually um, was a key to my success and realizing my differences. Yeah. And I think so many times as parents, we look at those weaknesses and we feel like we need to fix it. We like need to fix Mm. everything. And I know, I mean, sometimes it just seems like it's futile. This is not working. I mean, we've been working on multiplication problems for five years with the same child. And, you know, it's just a struggle. And really, um, I realized the more I, I kind of downplay the weaknesses and like you were saying, focus on the strengths. So mm-hmm. like our, our one son, he's like, he can tell me these stories, but he can't write a sentence without getting you know any spelling right or that's, punctuation that's still or me by the way yeah, not to, exactly. not, i still i can't spell the word necessarily i was literally sitting on the couch looking at my wife and go how do you spell necessarily and even spell check was not understanding right. spell check is like i i don't know what you're trying to spell yeah it is so true and we can get so focused on i need to get him to write every word you know mm. correctly and so talk about the stress on a child when it's yeah. so difficult or i can say tell me tell me what the castle is like and he just starts going off and I type mm. as fast as I can to keep up. Or another one of my daughter who really, really struggles with math. Um, her reading has caught up, but math is just so hard. She is so good at like cooking and at, mm. um, so you know, we do a lot of uh, cooking, which is actually math. <laughs> you know, Absolutely. she doesn't realize it's actually math, but I'm, you know, really growing the skills in her and the things that she enjoys. She loves doing, she loves plants. She has this whole, a dozen plants that she takes care of and knows all the types of plants. You know, it's like finding what they love and what they're good at and helping them and knowing like my, one of her therapists said, she'll have a calculator. Like we're going to help her the best Mm -hmm. she can. But even if she can't get past, you know, third grade level math, she'll have a calculator. It'll be okay. But then she'll be able to cook. She'll know all these other things. And so I think that, is so important to really see their strengths. So, um, mm. Joy, I would just love to hear you talk about like how the idea for the book got started and why um, your heart behind why this is so important. Well, really, I, I'm not the person to ask that first bit of the question to because <laughs> Nathan actually wrote um, kind of the core of what this, the so the, as you said, the, the whole kind of story is predicated on um, a girl and a boy and the question through it says through wood and nails little girl uh, boy and girl play what will the clubhouse be today and that little poem that then unfolds with all the different things that the that the clubhouse could be uh the acorn of that uh was actually written by nathan when how old were you nathan like nine or ten i think i was like about nine or ten oh, and i wow. Yeah. And I wrote this as like a, I, you know, it's it's such a part of my childhood. I wrote it about me and my siblings going out to play every day and will the clubhouse be a spaceship or a pirate ship or whatever it might be today. And I wrote it when I was a kid and my dad recently, the past few years, dug it out of an old box and said, Hey, I found a poem you wrote. And so I got together with Joy and said, let's, let's make this a book because it's beautiful. And it, and it talks about all the wonderful things we experience as kids. And I think part of the reason, you know, it was a darling, it was just kind of a fun idea. It was a darling idea for a book, but we also thought that it was kind of an important thing to do now Mm. because we were thinking about how much kind of those empty hours of play and imagination and creativity shaped who we are today. You know, Nathan doing film and acting and writing and, and me, you know, doing a PhD in theology and imagination. Like there's a reason that I chose that um, field. And we thought about how influential that was to us and how in our world, you know, this is not to demonize screens, but it's so easy to kind of fill every second 
um, with some kind of stimulation. Um, and, but we felt like it was so important and such a gift and such a joy that we had those kind of empty hours and then the tools at our fingertips to fill them with imagination and play both from the books we read. And, you know, my mom used to keep a a chest of drawers full of, um, full of dress up clothes that she would get from Goodwill. And we just cherished that so much that when we, when we found this, this poem, we thought we want to make a book that will help inspire parents and kids to go outside and play and imagine and shut the computer down, shut the, the iPad down and, and get into the joy of, of play and imagination. And we think that's important because it's something we loved, but you know, it's also born out in, in studies, you know, it's an important part of childhood development. And so, um, so that was kind of why we decided to write the book. It was just, uh, a fun happenstance, kind of a time capsule finding Nathan's poem. And then just thinking about how, how much we cherished those kind of empty afternoons as kids and how much we feel like that's sometimes being threatened in our world and that we kind of wanted to give the gift um, of that fun back to the world. Yeah. And it's a perfect book for parents to sit down with their kids and just explore the pages. The illustrations are so amazing. It's like every time you look at it, you see something new. Um, I mean, huge details. I was looking at the underwater one and I'm like, there's a cat in a bubble in this ocean. (laughs) By the way, there is a cat, a dog, a bowl of macaroni and a Bible hidden on every page. So go through and find these. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I was noticing the cat. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's a cat on every page. (laughs) But I mean, just the joy of just sitting down with your kids and like, okay, let's look at this. What can you see? What's five new things that you could see this time? You know, those types of things are so fun. And I think we think that, yes, there's electronics and yes, there's TV and all these things that kids are drawn to. But guaranteed, if you pull out a book or if you sit down with craft Mm. projects or if you, you know, ask if they, you know, not ask, just say, we're going to go on a nature walk or we're going to go do this. They love it. We instituted probably just a month ago, um, Thursday night is board game night. And our kids, every, they're like, okay, what are we going to play? And from Monday, they're like, what games are we going to play? What are we going to do? And we thought, you know, you know, we're busy and we do stuff all day together. They're not going to want another thing. Oh no. They look forward to Thursday board game night. And so I think so many times we think like our kids are just into these video games or they into these handheld devices or whatever. But really when we take the initiative, it's amazing because they will just love it and they love being part of it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'll also mention that I feel like it for some reason in the modern world, and maybe it's always been like this, we see education and learning as a different thing than we see imagination and play. Mm-hmm. And these are, these are, you know, and education learning is a really important stuff. And, you know, uh, imagination and play is kind of this thing you can do when you're done with the real important work. Mm-hmm. And I think we were so blessed to grow up in a, in an environment in which imagination and play were actually intentional aspects of our mm. learning, growth, and educational journey. Um, and like Joy said, it really has shaped who we are and who we became. And this book really is ultimately, we, we like Joy said, it's not to shame screens or, oh, this is bad. It's more to just to reignite that natural joy inside of every child and every parent, by the way, and say, oh, this is fun and this is good. And we were created this way because we also believe that imagination and creativity ultimately come from God. God is the first uh, imaginer and he is the first creative. And in the opening of scripture, you see God 
creating an entire world and imagining animals and imagining all of nature. And so when we imagine, when we play, we are acting in the very nature of God. And this is something every human was made to do, but it's not just a superfluous thing that we do as kids instead of education. It's a part of our education and it's also a part of our humanity. And and yeah, and I think when we um, give kids the opportunity to explore and to learn through imagination, that continues through life, which we can clearly see from both of you. It's like they think outside the box and they're willing to try new things. And, oh, I'm interested in this. Let me explore it. It's like the world is just there for them to learn and explore and to um, create. And I've seen that in my own kids, my adult kids now. I mean, one has written a book and he's also made some handheld handheld um the games that go on the cell phone and he's still going to college and it's you know he's still doing these things but it's like ooh, i want to learn how to program this or i want to learn how to do this awesome and it's so cool that when we see like when we do take that time with our kids it's not that like for the rest of their lives they're gonna be like oh that was just a child thing (laughs) but they can look at the world in a completely different way absolutely absolutely now, I would just, as we're wrapping this up, um, I would just love to hear just your encouragement. I mean, we've shared so much about encouragement for parents and imagination, but as we're closing, if you can just say, okay, um, this is something that my mom or my dad did that really um, just helped me and inspired me. And we've talked about many things, but maybe that each of you can just share one more little thing that really impacted you. Yeah. Joy? Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess um, we could go at that that question from many different angles. Um, you know, we could look at the imagination and creativity, but I think if I were to really answer just the question at face value, I think probably the thing that my parents did that was the most impactful to me was simply that they, um, that they, um, sorry, I got a call. Um, <laughs> they were my advocate and affirmed me and were for me. Um, no matter what happened, I, I knew that I had a relationship that was secure with them and that, uh, that whatever else was in question in my life, their love of me and their desire for my good was, was steady. Mm. So, I love yeah, that. I think it's that. I love that. And that's, that's such an important emotional aspect for every kid to have from their parents. And for me, I'll go, I'll even go a little more practical and say, well, one, um, I'll agree with joy in, I'll, I'll expand on a little bit. I knew that my parents always believed in my best and believed the best about me, Hmm. meaning the world in many ways and many metrics was telling me I was dumb. I am not smart enough. I don't fit in. And my parents said, no, you are intelligent. You are smart. You are deep. And so them specifically seeing me with all my uniquenesses and mental illnesses and learning disabilities saw me and believed the best about me. So that was one way that I absolutely was blessed um, by my parents and what they did. And then another way that's more practical is they exposed me to great stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is such a shaping aspect of my childhood to be exposed to great and wonderful and deep stories. Because when I was a kid and I was able to engage with beautiful, wonderful stories and use that gift of imagination to imagine myself in my own beautiful, wonderful story because I've been exposed to great stories, that gave me this context of seeing myself as a hero, seeing myself as someone who can overcome, seeing myself as someone who can do good in the world, and seeing myself as someone who is good and intentional and has purpose to them. And so I'd say one of my favorite aspects of what 
my education brought on my parents was was that I was exposed and given great stories to see myself in mm. and to connect to. I love that. I mean, I'm just so encouraged as a parent today, just hearing you talk. I'm like, okay, the TV is going off all weekend, kids. We are going down. And, and hey, there's some good stories on movies too. I will say, I've, yeah, I've been actually sure. a filmmaker, oh, so I yeah. will. Add, sometimes you got to turn on some good movies, so feel mm-hmm. no guilt. It's so funny because my kids love musicals. We watch musicals, and yes. um, the other day I was cooking dinner, and they're like trying to decide something to watch. As you know, they're waiting for dinner, and. I walk in there and they're all, they decided together from the ages of 11 to 18 to watch the unsinkable Molly Brown. Oh, and I'm classic. like, which is just a fun, fun musical. I'm like, okay, this is my moment as a mother. I'm just going mm-hmm. to embrace this because with yes. all they could have watched superhero movies or whatever, which those are good too. But you know, it was like this old musical of the unsinkable Molly Brown that they decided and they're just in there and they're singing along. And I'm like, okay, this is great. So Amazing. that's super fun. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you both for being here again. The book is The Clubhouse, Open the Door to Limitless Adventure. And real quick, why don't each of you just share where people can connect with you and find more information about the book? Yeah, well, you can one uh, real quick. I do want to shout out our amazing illustrator who brought yes. this book to life, John, uh, jo- Joshua Timothy Taylor. Just absolutely. I, we just love the illustrations. It's hard to tell over a podcast, but it's like Where's Waldo mixed with beautiful, uh, whimsical imagination. Um, and he just brought this concept to life so well. So shout out to Joshua Timothy Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. And you can find me at NathanClarkson.me or search my name, uh, Nathan Clarkson on any of the socials and i also have a podcast called the overthinkers uh that comes out weekly and i'd love to hear from you and connect with you in any of those ways that sounds great Mm. yes and i i um second what nathan said about joshua timothy taylor i just love his illustrations and i'm still finding things that are delighting me Um, and so fun and you can find me at i have a website joyclarkson.com i also cast pod at speaking with joy where i talk about art and culture and theology and interview interesting people. And then I tweet too much at join us the brave and I'm also (laughs) on Instagram. Awesome. And I just found two new um, podcasts that I want to listen to. So I'll be adding (laughs) those to my list. That sounds great. We'll have to have you on. Oh, I would love it. That would be great. Well, thank you both of you so much for being here. I'm excited about this book and I'm excited about all that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now, remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com. And I can't wait until we connect again.